Hello, and welcome to Relative Pitch. We appreciate you tuning into our podcast. Our mission is to give you young musicians' perspectives on hot topics in the music world. By sharing our thoughts and opinions, we hope to help with bringing positive change and diversification to the music world. Here are your hosts, Lauren Green, Anthony Morris, and Michael Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Relative Pitch. This is going to be season one, episode 10, Wagnerism Grail Temple. Uh, We really hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Dr. Douglas Lindsay that we did in person. It was so fun being able to actually record in person for the first time live and with a guest. That was amazing. And um, this week's episode, we're actually continuing our Wagnerism series with uh, chapter four, Grail Tempo. sorry grail temple i'm so musical everything has to be music (laughs) um so this chapter actually actually focuses on uh the parsifal uh which is another work by wagner of course and uh before we jump into it we're going to uh let michael give us a synopsis of the story hashtag go opera so the parsifal is the there is Wagner's last opera he ever wrote. So there is some significance there. It is also one of his only operas about the Christian faith and regarding the Holy Grail. It is a three-act opera, hashtag long. It is four hours and a quarter. So that would be 420? 425? 420. Is it 25? No, it's 15. It is 15. Oh, well, whatever. So 15, then 15, 30, then 45, then 60. Anyways, I only know how to count to four. You know, I went to school. I went to school for music. I only need to count to four. That's it. So I can count to four. So the story of the Parsifal is a story of the Holy Grail that's been told many times before. Um, And Wagner implements some of the tellings of the Holy Grail and adds some of his own. So it's kind of like a combination of both. And to give a short synopsis, sorry, something weird happened. The story of the Parsifal and the Holy Grail have survived several forms that date back from 1170 to 1220. Wagner, who also wrote the words of the opera himself, used a mixture of several of these versions of the story to fit his ideas for the opera. So he didn't just take, he took, added, and made his own. Parsifal is a young man who is a pure fool, which means that he is innocent, good man, who slowly starts to understand the world. So take a baby is a pure soul. That is this man. The Holy Grail is the cup from which Jesus Christ is supposed to have drunk at the Last Supper. Everybody's seen the famous painting. If you've seen the Dan Brown, these don't really align right now. So forget the Dan Brown, just know now. And the Holy Spear is a sphere, spear, which is supposed to have been the one with which the Roman soldiers pierced Jesus' side when he was put on the cross. So the opera is pretty much about this in three acts. If you want to know a little bit further detail, look on the Met Opera On Demand and subscribe while you're there. Yeah, I do want to say, 
before we get into this, I just want to bring up something like Wagner really cared about this specific story. Um, as we've talked about previously um, with uh, Lohengrin, uh, same, same type of thing. Uh, as we all know, Lohengrin was one of the knights that protected the Holy Grail. So this is a, a, a theme that Wagner really kind of kept going for a long time. I mean, honestly, even to this day, other people are very uh, interested in the Holy Grail. I mean, uh, Assassin's Creed, the movie, I only saw the movie, I never played the game, but like they are um, the Knights that protect the Holy Grail. Um, uh, what was it? Was it National, no, Da Vinci Code. It was the Da Vinci Code. I think it was the third one or the second one, whichever one, Angels and Demons. It was about the Holy Grail. So like the first one, yeah, first one, Holy Grail is throughout like all of, it's become one of those conspiracy theories of like where it's at. Is the Holy Grail really something um, like, is it tangible or is it one of those like mythical, like is it actually a person? So it has, it's a very strong topic. Um, then and still to this day. So that's like kind of how, um, I guess, forward thinking uh, Wagner was. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. This chapter definitely fo uh, focuses a lot on the Christian faith and also other elements of faith that we haven't really seen up to this point. And we'll kind of talk about how Wagner and specifically this work that he did was kind of a really huge point of a revival of a lot of these different faiths and everything but no spoilers yet so um so the, the literally the first quote the first line of the chapter is here time becomes space and so this is um of the sage uh, Gernemans when he's actually you know talking um it's the beginning of act one and it's talking about how whenever they reached the temple of the Holy Grail, it was as if like, like when you were walking, it wasn't paces, it was like hours or like days. It was just like you were going somewhere, like to some, it was, it's weird. That's a weird concept to talk about because it's kind of like inception or it was, it's a, it's a psychological thing. That's like, what is this? But it's supposed to be really mystical and less like science more like faith and like magic and stuff like this. And so, um, yeah, Michael kind of told us about Parsifal, how it's just pure, he's a fool, he's in innocent, I guess, in some ways. And it says um, that the, the trail, the path to the grail, like only appears to who it's supposed to, um, which is very interesting. And so, um, the Parsifal, when, when he finds him to the temple, like at the temple, he says, I am hardly moving, yet I already seem to have come far, which is kind of emphasizing that whole here time come becomes space concept that is apparent in the first part of this. What's really interesting, and I'll read this straight from the book, is what Wagner chooses to do as they are going to the temple. So it says, there follows an orchestral passage that the libretto designates as not going to try to pronounce that word, but it basically means transformation music, okay? And so I wanted to play a clip that kind of shows what that means. So there's, there's something that happens while they are walking that leads them to this. So give me one moment and 
we will get to do this. Oh, I think we lost Lauren. But I will say that is very um, a big transition. Are you back? You're back, Lauren? Her, she's gone. That was a big transition. It was a very large transition. 
Um, and I, I mean, it goes all back to Wagner and his, honestly, he's a very overly extra person. Like, to be honest, um, those same, I like, those same techniques are used in literally all of his mm -hmm. operas. Um, having the whole thing just kind of change and you like see the actor or the actual actors, the, the, the I guess, anguish that they have going on and trying to get to that. Um, it, it's something, it's definitely something and it really uh, is very mysterious, very mysterious. Yeah, he belongs to this, um... So, like, you know how we have minimalism? Yes. He is, like, maximalism. And that's a, that's a completely, like, him, Mahler, Strauss, even though Wagner was more on the opera complete production, Mahler and Strauss, if people know that, that don't really listen to opera, they're on the symphony hall part. Yes. And yes. as I was, like, researching, um, I've been, I have a research project that particularly pertains to the romantic era and it's just all about this grandiose idea large orchestras more and more and more and Wagner like proceeds that tenfold mm -hmm. with every like that was transition music yes transitioning from a probably very dramatic part I will say I have not seen the Parsifal yet I'm waiting to sit down and watch the entire ring cycle over like four days mm -hmm. but that was just transition from one part to the next that had so much character within itself. It did. And uh, I was just teaching um, romantic music to um, my music appreciation class. And we were talking about how luscious and how everything was really just very dramatic compared to the other periods. Um, and especially Wagner. I, I mean, Wagner stuff, I mean, we talk about this is just transitional music, but I want to go back to a couple chapters ago where we all talked about Wagner for how long of an opera he intended every musical note. It was all intentional. Nothing was ever like, oh, I need to fill um, this time period with music. No, it's like, this is intentional, every single note, every single phrase, every single articulation, everything is very intentional. And I think that's what really makes his music so like, you just can't really forget it because you, it's something like that that's very extra. Yeah, so I just want to play a little bit of that clip. Uh, sounds like y'all had some really good things to say about transformation music and it was, it was a lot. Um, it was really purposeful, I think, why he chose to put that there. Um, and so this ritual with the Holy Grail is actually really kind of odd. Um, so King, how you pronounce his name, uh, Amfortas, I want to say, um, basically he's, he's kind of like on his deathbed, basically, and he has to make a sacrifice to the Grail every time the Grail is revealed. Um, and what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to bring healing to the realm basically by his sacrifice but every time he does it actually it basically just reopens a wound of his own and he's doing it because his father um which his name is titurel i'm gonna say it's titurel um it was the founder of this order and so anytime he makes like the king makes a sacrifice it also gets it brings him life which is kind of people kind of compare him to a vampire because of if you think about vampires, they drink the blood and 
they're renewed kind of in that sense. And so this is kind of where a little bit of a the satanic Wagner comes in, but I'm gonna let Anthony talk about that later on. Can we talk about just a minute how everything that we watch nowadays from vampires to Holy Grail to all these things go back to a lot of what Wagner was during, doing during this time period. Like, I mean, think about Twilights and things, uh, vampires and werewolves and uh, King Wolf and all, like all of these things um, that we love to watch. Wagner was doing this 150 plus years ago. Um, right. And, you know, I really think like, there are topics in the world that just keep recurring in different forms, but it definitely recurs. And to see that uh, this uh, Parsifal was more of like their culture or their time period, like our Twilight, how big that was when it first came out. It's definitely very interesting. And uh, Wagner, as we study in music class, as like Wagner, but like he was a, a household name doing household uh, pay-per-view television, HBO Max type of things right now. So um, he's he's very, very popular. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to go back and see what we're still doing today that they were already doing back in those times. Um, but in addition to, you know, having the vampiric, satanic, demonic nature that it was, this is still really Christian heavy. And it, it makes sense, there's a quote in here that Wagner summarizes Parsifal as the savior on the cross bled everywhere. So you know what that, what that he's talking about when Jesus cries, crucifixion, all these things and how his bloodshed saved humanity. And so he's basically saying, well, you can compare that to the grail where he had to make the sacrifice of blood but it was good for the, the realm and yada, yada, yada. And so it's very interesting that he was able to use these notions that were Christianity, kind of demonic, Christianity, kind of, it's kind of weird, but it worked in a way because this whole renaissance like thing, they were kind of obsessed with this stuff, which is interesting. But in, if you go look at Renaissance paintings and they're very graphic, a lot of them, and they're really detailed, um, go look at some because they're, some can be disturbing, <laughs> honestly. If you go, um, if anybody has Amazon Prime Video, if you're a student, there's a student thing. There's this uh, Da Vinci, like uncoding Da Vinci or decoding Da Vinci. If you ever have free time, I say go listen to it or watch it because that will open your mind up to like some things that you never would have thought. And that's like when we, Alex Ross uncovering Wagner step by step, we're uncovering him too. It's like we're opening our minds to stuff that we didn't think about. Like, all I know about Parsifal is it has an extremely hard trumpet excerpt in it that you can't breathe. You got to play all these high stuff and you can't breathe. That's all I know about the Parsifal before now. And having to uncover this, go check it out. There you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so this, you know, being Wagner's last word, being religious, kind of works, right? It's like back in the day, they were more in touch with when they were going to die than we are to this day it's kind of weird like you know um but so with religion it was funny because back in 1849 Wagner actually had a dream of a new religion which is interesting because you think about Germany and like German nationalism and it's all about oh, Christianity and faith and uh we are the you know whatever mark kind of like 
we're the we're the best because God made us the best that whole thing and we're the yeah the, anyway you know what I'm talking about um so it's interesting that Wagner was actually thinking of he wanted a new religion which right from the book says one that would smash the materialist values that imprisoned art politics and spirituality alike so kind of something that would actually free this art up and not make it where oh if you believe in this then you have to think this way which is if you want to look at today hello there we go but anyway um and so he wrote an essay in 1880 called religion and art that actually raised the hope that art can renew worn out faith now if you think about that a lot he could have been trying to use this and he definitely succeeded doing this with Parsifal. And we'll talk about the ways that he succeeded within this later on and the effects that it has. But we already knew that Wagner affected the world more than we can even comprehend nowadays. And it's like, oh, well, there are people who don't even know him. It's not that you know who he is, it's that there are things in the world that are the way they are now because of the things he did back then. And I think that's what makes him so influential is that he just had beliefs. He put them on a huge platform that was popular during that time. And his stuff is still being used. It was used for huge things later after he even passed where he is affiliated with such groups or things that have happened. Um, it, it just says a lot about his influence and like the, the way people kind of, I guess, praised and like just loved his art you know when it's good it can be good it can be bad at the same time um but in his essay he says one could say that when religion becomes artificial it falls to art to save the core of religion by grasping the figurative value of those mythic symbols that religion wants us to believe as literally true and revealing symbols or sorry in revealing through an ideal presentation to deep truth hidden in them. So again, bringing this whole mystical factor back into faith, which kind of puts us into what'll happen a little bit later on that we'll talk about. Um, but I thought that was really interesting that he wasn't sticking to just, you have, it's just Christianity, it's just Christianity, no one else, which is what I kind of expected from him, if you really think about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the Holy Grail, you would think that it's, Christianity, because that's where that, you know, the story really comes from is Christianity. Um, and I also, I think nowadays in Christianity, uh, we never talk about the true mysticism of the actual Christianity, because there are a lot of things that are in the Bible that if you were to take an objective look at it, it's <laughs> definitely some uh, mysticism, definitely some, you know, yes magic going on yeah um, i'm just i'm saying just a, a virgin who gave birth come on you just you just can't you, you can't do that <laughs> like right. nowadays if someone said that we'd be like you're lying but True. then back in the day that was like everyone was like yeah for sure this happened you know yeah or a person living for hundreds of years and um, you know, water to wine, making a blind man. Walking on water. Walking on water. It's like, that is mysticism. That is, you know, something and that we might be talking about some taboo topics right now. But you know what? This is what we're doing. <laughs> Get on. I mean, the biggest thing when I was a child, 
growing up um, Southern Baptist or Methodist, um, the biggest thing that I could never wrap my head around, I'll be real honest, is he died, he's in the cave, huge stone, disappeared. Mm. What? Like me, <laughs> like my, my brain, I had to be two plus two equals four. You know what I mean? That's how my brain works. I have to understand how like things figure. I'm like, huh? And we just ain't going to talk about it. We're just going to be like, yeah, that's my thing, which is very interesting about this, is that Wagner was not scared to include myth, like myths and magic mm-hmm. within this religion. And I think that's the thing is like nowadays churches, it's like, whoa, what, right. magic? I mean, like, what do you... About, <laughs> think about the Salem Witch Trial. You, they literally oh my gosh. killed women uh, and some men too because they were practicing magic, which was all did in the name of the Bible all did because of Christianity. And I'm right. like, did you look, did you actually read what you are <laughs> supposed to be? Um, prop, like, or did you actually read? Cause I don't think you Right, did. exactly. It's crazy, it's crazy that way because I, yeah, you, I mean, we we all are, um, we all grew up in the South, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, um, mine, all there's a, church, mine, mine there's a and a liquor store on each corner. There you go. That's how it is. That's how it is. But it's crazy because like, you know, you, of course you go to church, you hear all these stories. And as a kid, you're like, what? Like how, how, and then you're, you're like, I, okay. I'm, I'm a Bishop's kid. And so my job in life was to question everything that was in the Bible. All right. That's just kind of how it worked out. So I remember always asking my mom questions like, how do you know ghosts don't exist? (laughs) (laughs) Her getting really mad at me because I'm like, look at all the stuff that's in the Bible. And so you're telling me that someone can give birth without, with, with as a virgin, yet they're not ghost walking around. That's like, that's like two separate. I know y'all be, I know y'all be hearing the creaks and cracks when you all along, you lie. Yes. um, Someone's watching you. Watching over you. First of all, I was not expecting Lauren to go, come out with ghosts. <laughs> like that, I was like, what? But uh, ghosts are real. They're real. <laughs> I um, and th- I was gonna make this uh, thing earlier. You know, me and Anthony were all the other day. We we're on the phone because I was getting into a certain topic. Michael Jackson outrose pop music mm. during his time, which is hard. Wagner did the same thing, and I feel like that in his mind maybe gave him the gravitas to be like, you know, this is the Christian Holy Grail. I'm put my stuff in it too. And yeah, that's, that's great probably art. Have, that's probably have his Parsifal and that like when I was reading it and like researching this this week, I was like, he put his own in the, in the Holy, the, the Christian Holy. And it's just like, when you make those connections of how he was not a composer, he outgrew a composer and he was, in the world like a chicago built an opera house for him we said that like two or three episodes ago mm-hmm. like yeah. chicago place is rich he was a he was a large magnificent person and i also mm-hmm. think um when a person becomes that big there are going to be conspiracy theories yes that person yes uh, absolutely that goes for anybody in history I mean, Jesus alone got a lot of conspiracy theories around him. There are religions just based on yes. who he really was. Like, exactly. come on. Um, like, so, crazy. 
and everybody else who who gets put on um who outgrows things they do get their own conspiracy theories and i think um that goes for wagner as well i mean literally one of the sections here is called satanic wagner um in which there's so many things that happen where people started to think that Wagner, there was just crazy things. So some of the crazy things that like happened, uh, well, the tenor from um, one of his operas died shortly after creating the title role of Tristan. Like he sang the tenor role, literally probably a year later, homie died. Then his wife, who was the original um, Isolde, she received uh, mediumistic messages from a guy named Schnorr and accused Cosima of being an infernal spirit. Infernal, you know, mm -hmm, like bad spirit, devil worshiper type of things. Um, another person uh, who was part of his operas um, died insane in 1864. Another guy suffered a fatal heart attack while conducting Tristan. Uh, another guy uh, died of a watery death in 1886. The pianist, a fanatic follower of Wagner, killed himself in 84. Um, supposedly after like just, just being so in anguish after Wagner died. Another pianist and composer uh, died of typhoid at the age of 29. Um, and a lot of this stuff, like it's just so weird how all these things are like tied right back. And I mean, honestly, I believe it because there's yeah. way too many people that have went to their death that is always, you know, back to um, Wagner. But it's funny that Alex Ross at the end of that paragraph, he says, on the other hand, Cosima, his wife, she lived to the age of 92. So here you go with all these people dying and everything like that. And then she said, I'm good. <laughs> she's like, you know, I was married to the devil himself. Therefore, I'm going to live a whole entire life. Boom. Bo boom. Um, and also, I think Wagner's music, uh, and especially like when you talk about something like the Holy Grail, obviously there's going to be like some type of conspiracy theories to that. And in the book, it says, undeniably, there's a romance and evil in all of Wagner things. From um, uh, in Lohengrin, they hatch plots on a jagged corkscrewing figure to announce Wagner's mature style. So a lot of these things, um, Wagner relies on the evil aspect. There's always the good and the evil. And let me just tell you, Wagner really, really gets you involved in that evil aspect of his things. Because honestly, the more evil something is, the more you can see how good another person is. And I think he really relied on that. You um, can't have good without evil. That's a huge thing in Christianity, truly, you know? Truly, like the devil himself in the Bible is just everything that is bad yes. is the devil. The devil, But exactly. that also proves how good God is. Yes. So like you can, there's not ever a medium um, yeah. in any of that from the Bible to any kind of religion to to operas. And even I want you to think of something uh like your favorite television show. 
say if it, if it is like something about good evil, how evil a person will be, and, and then look at the more protagonist of it all, they're usually in a lighter spot. You know what? This is all about relativity, all mm. right? Right. Relative pitch. <laughs> like, it, it really is. If you think about it, you just, I mean, everything it is because of something else. Correct. Right? Like, without, without Lucifer falling and becoming Satan, then we wouldn't know how glorious God is, if you want to say it that way with heaven our god amen yes right like yes. You just, it has to it has to um it, it does it makes it, sense it, it makes sense and i think that um that type of thing just goes throughout entire history yes uh, and i think in, in life in actual real life it is never something like that it's always kind of in the middle people have their goods they have their bads about them um, but when you put something like a soap opera, that character that you hate, that you gonna hate that person for the next 50 years of your life. I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember I used to watch soap operas um, with my grandma. I mean, to this day, I still remember the girl that, that I hated from uh, uh, As the World Turns. <laughs> like that was, uh, that was probably 15, 20 years ago, but I still remember it. That's how much they made yeah. that character evil. Yeah, that you remember that, and so uh, that that whole stereotype is very prevalent, and that caused a lot of conspiracy theories for Wagner. And while he was named a satanic Wagner because his things did really kind of invoke to give him that second eye to look at some of his works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this this was kind of during an age where a lot of religion actually was just kind of being. I don't want to say made because you can't really make something, but they were forming. There are a lot of religions that were forming. Also, yeah. This is a type of period or the time period where a lot of the dark was like that late romantic, late 1800s, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. You know, everything romantic, demonic. It was all in the same. It was all yes. in the same. Yeah. Yes. Like, think about. I'm pretty sure everybody in English read like the Raven and uh, like it's very. I memorized it for a poetry competition I won in high school. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) Why am I not surprised? (laughs) But like everyone in that late really was that gothic style of very dark, very dreary. Very, it's just like ooh, y'all were going through something, weren't you? Like really going through something. Yeah, it was it was really heavy on yeah that gothic romantic dark mm-hmm. a lot of decadence because that entire period like I said go look at some of those Renaissance paintings and all those things they're so detailed it's kind of, it's like to the point like Ugh. but um yeah so anyway this time period it was not just Wagner who was um, drawing from a bunch of religions but he was and it's interesting again because we're like oh Wagner Holy Grail a lot of religions or or just Christianity and then he actually throws in concepts of other religions and actually was really interesting that I did not know of and I had no one ever tell me this in my life but he began in 1856 actually writing a Buddhist drama that was going to be called Die Seeger which is the victors right exactly exactly you're like what um and it would which would have told of the maiden Prakrita's love for the monk Anada and her overcoming of desire under the Buddha's guidance 
a story mentioned in the essay Wagner was writing the day he died. So he actually never wow. finished. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. That would have been so awesome to see. That would have. It's, it reminds me of um, West Side Story, what it was originally mm -hmm. supposed to be about. Yep. Like, not like the sharks and jets. It was supposed to be like uh, Christians versus Catholics mm -hmm. in New York. And that would have been. But at the time, it just, you couldn't do it. Wagner yeah. could have done it. I would have subscribed. Yeah, that would have been cool, right? Like it was, but it was funny because it never happened. Mm -hmm. And maybe if it did, would we have been like, oh, Wagner actually appreciated other cultures. So he wasn't as bad, but it never actually happened, which is the interesting part about it. Cause he, I mean, he died, um, but it's, it's crazy. The world saying something. And that's exactly what I was going to say is like, maybe that was the universe being like, no, yep, don't do it. <laughs> no. But it was that was really interesting to me that he was going to do an entire Buddhist drama on that. It sounded like it would have been pretty spicy. So, um, but I, I thought that was very interesting. And but he he him and his stories he actually used a lot of different ideals and pulled from a lot of different religions, which is really interesting. And people talked about this, and there was some like Islamic stuff in there. And like, of course, Catholic Catholicism, some Buddhist stuff, some Gnostic, all these things that he kind of just did into a big morph thing. And that's why he put his own twist to a lot of these stories, I think. And that's why I think that made him more interesting that way is because he added in these different elements that were like, ooh, oh, oh, that may not have been as, you know, um, that at the time could have been a little risque, yeah. but it worked it worked is a what matters in those I, I mean honestly to be completely frank these people were and like infatuated with naked people yeah with phallic objects i mean and one more thing the guys they cared they cared for company of other guys to be honest sorry like you know it used to not be as big of a deal also truly, i will say that truly. Come on now, they were having salon parties and we all know what that means. So come on, come on. I definitely and know what that means. Um, but in 1913, there was a writer who did something that said that this mystical revival was a revolt against rationalism and salvation by sin. And that's kind of the ideals that, we, that were represented in the Parsifal salvation by sin and we know yes all that stuff yes um but it was just something where people were tired of being rational eh, whatever we don't want to we don't care about what's real and what's not we just want to we just want to be like if we want to think about mysticism and being uh, magic and how and magicians and it, it talks about it a lot in these uh this this chapter and people were just done being into the mainstream religions at this point and like Wagner with Parsifal really revived the whole it's really cult so what really came out of this is that a lot of people started forming cults now nothing that they did was new because nothing is new under the sun but some things have been rediscovered they've been renamed transformed a little bit um but they were all you know it's like how the different sections or denominations of Christianity is about one of the same, but, oh, we go to church on Sunday or, oh, we actually believe Mary was this and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
overall the same concept. Um, but this was more of a revival of this mystical, like the mystical part of like Wagner's Parsifal, which is really interesting to me. Um, but something I thought was very interesting in this, there was a, um, there was a novelist, I believe, yeah, I believe he was like a novelist and a poet and a critic, playwright, performance artist, all these things, Josephine, Josephine, maybe, I don't know, uh, Peladon, not Peloton, Peladon, Pe yes, Peladon, and he was pretty cray, pretty cray about Wagner, specifically Parsifal, yes, and so he actually, his cult was the Rosencrux, which is also the Rosencross, if you just want to really call it that, um, which I believe is also something that's pretty big in the in Catholicism, I want to say, but he did something weird with it that was made it his own. But anyway, he says that his cult was born from Beirut, from that festival, um, the summer after uh, what well, Wagner actually died when Cosimo, she was trying to, you know, ticket sales weren't as great. She had to start actually doing multiple shows like multiple different shows at the festival instead of just one because usually it was just one big one that could just draw everyone out at this point now it wasn't that anymore um and you would think oh Wagner died so that means his art dead but no there are people who are still pulling new things from his works which is really interesting but this man Peladon had a very interesting background his father was actually um he tried to establish a cult called the cult of the wound of the left shoulder of our savior, Jesus Christ. That name, that name is a problem. It's been, that, that it, it bothers Like me. what? It bothers <laughs> I, I just don't. That, that, that is like a lot of words. That's that like me saying the cult of my Levi's third stitch in the bottom hem of the right side. And that, that actually was kind of shorter than what this actually was. Because <laughs> when, when you like say a cult name, you're like analyzing it as it yes. goes because you're like, huh? And then yeah, that one, you you're just like, you're what? like, what? And like, you're, you're, still you're mad. You're still mad you wasted your three seconds. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. It kind of just shows you how like, honestly ridiculous some of these things were and that people were just trying to be different i'm not bashing anyone's religion if you are a part of the cult of the wound of the left shoulder of the, our savior jesus christ if you are cool for you but my word is it, is it though <laughs> is it though like it's just can y'all come up with an acronym <laughs> like give me an acronym you know give me a spark notes version of your religion i'm sorry not religion ba bashing however I'm gonna need right. you to put it together. Get it. I'm together. sorry. Can you just repeat it one more time? Yeah, just for everyone to to get a nice giggle out of a cult of the wound of the left shoulder of our Savior Jesus Christ. I don't have time to unpack that. All right. The wound, like, did Jesus have a wound? Maybe like of, of the but he said left shoulder, not like underarm. Yeah, left like, shoulder. The only thing I know is like knighting and like whenever they do the thing, but like that doesn't make any sense. But why is there a wound? No, no, no wound. 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 Yes. Wound. Was, was, As if someone like... Was, was Jesus stuck there? Maybe. No, he was... Oh, 
Yeah, yes, actually. I think he was because you can't just hang up with your arms. You know what, y'all? Maybe we need to go read our Bibles because <laughs> 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 it's been a minute. It's been a minute. <laughs> I mean, oh, we know he was up there. I don't think we right, really we need know to know. <laughs> we know he got the nails to the cross. We know he got nailed, but we don't know exactly right. where he got there. This is just, it gets too granular. Like these cults just really, and anyway, but this was a time where they were really coming out and they were like, we really want to make it. These are our own things. And everything anyway so peladon came from already a family of people like this i'll just say that and so then he created his own i think he was working with uh, stain loss de guita i want to say um at first they had a you know they fall, fell out because and it's funny he kind of mentions like even in cults even in small cults there's still going to be different sections of that cult right there are going to be people who always find something different of, of opinion than this person standing right next to them who they believe in the same thing, but there's something about it they just don't agree with. And so of course he split off, had his own thing. Um, he had a lot of, he, the thing about him, he really idealized, idolized Wagner a lot in the sense that his books, his own novels that he wrote had literally, he kind of just took characters from Wagner's works and made them into his own characters and I think there's even one there's a whole scene yes there's a whole scene where the couple is seeing I think a of showing of Tristan and Isolde like I'm like okay just just say it just just say it you know what and then um they have there's just so much parallelisms that he I, I think he do, did it on purpose it's like in music whenever we hear other people, or that was big back in the day. Now, not so much, but they used to use other people's works in their own. And that was a part of, that was like, oh, I, I love you. That's why I did that. And now and they would, oh, I'm so flattered that you would put my music in nowadays. It's like, why would you do that? That's mine. You know, it's very different, but that was a form of flattery back in the day. Um, but again, it really shows how much of a influence Wagner was on these people. This wasn't a composer, this wasn't a musician, this was like a novelist and someone who did art crit like critiques and things like that. He loved art and like drawing, painting, all that stuff. So it was really interesting, interesting to see how much of an influence Wagner had over people like this. And um, he had salons that people go to annually, attract huge crowds and people would speak at it, people would give Put their art up and everything now what i did not care for about this man is two things i will say two things the first thing is there um his his ideals about homosexuals in this he saw them as something or people who needed help all right now, all right, we're talking about religion. This is nothing new, okay? So we're this is not something that we're like, what? You know, but at the same time, but this is kind of what was going on back in the day. He had an entire book and this is, you know, have your opinions, whatever, even if they're wrong. Um, but he put in a book that was titled, what is it? The Ganader, Ganander's, I believe, which is his word for lesbian. So basically a book called The Lesbian, where basically, it was conversion camp. It was a conversion camp. Conversion camp, girl. And I, it just completely bothers me 
just that that was thinking that and it's not even just like repent and it's just it's the fact that he makes him like worship man and i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna be specific with it but basically the end of the novel is like all these lesbians basically getting married to men and worshiping the men like, oh my gosh how were we ever lesbians and men are so amazing wow and like just okay right that's number one about why i don't care for him <laughs> number two is his ideals about women in general i don't know what he has against women anyway but this was a time period where women were seen as and i will quote this directly from here vessels of satanic energy I will say, I am not perfect, okay? <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I would not go as far to say that just because of my anatomy, that I am a vessel of satanic energy. Now, this is back in the day, right? They could have these opinions. This is why women were burned at the stake for burning sage or doing a reading. Like, oh, a woman can read, she's thinking. Like, no, we have to burn her. But um, it's just crazy to me how they demonize women. And honestly, in Parsifal, it happens too. There's literally a, the, the Rose of Hell who tries to, um, what is it, seduce Parsifal. And is like, oh, yes. It's like the whole Adam, Adam and Eve thing. It's like, oh, now Eve is what she came and she ruined it all, you know? And it's this thing that actually, if you think about it, jumps across religions. Mm -hmm. And it's very unfortunate. And it was like something that is something that said like, uh, men are puppets of women, women are puppets of the devil. I'm just like, you came out of us. Like literally humanity <laughs> is from women and from a woman's sacrifice. And the savior, Jesus Christ came from a woman, but True. yet these religions, these people, and it was back, you know, if you, if you ever know anything about um, the Mary Queen of Scots and all the stuff that was happening during her time where, um, what is homeboy's name who hated women? Um, uh, John Knox, there you go, John Knox, who absolutely thought that women should not be monarchs. He wanted to completely get rid of the monarchy in Scotland and England really, and thought the only place women deserved to be were under men basically you know and it's just crazy to me how these people who are such prominent leaders around this time prominent excuse me prominent religious leaders at this time how they saw women and it was crazy it was crazy because then if you think about it women were really treated like they were under the children honestly like their only purpose in life at that point is to bear children and that's it once you're done away with you you know because other than that you're going to be seducing people that's a whole oh girls can't go to if you're showing your shoulder at school you got to go you're distracting the men the men are the ones who really actually have to learn so anyway i'm done now these guys these guys sound like they didn't get picked on the basketball team when they were younger so they go and terrorize the person that they see today left and they happen to yes. be girls and you know what they, first of all why would you create a religion Number one, religion to just bash people you don't like. That's not a religion, number one. Number two, I'm going to need you to go get your morals together. And whoever followed you, I'm sorry, I know this man is dead and I don't know if he has followers or not. But if you were a follower, 
you need to you you how about you need to go to a, a, a camp that's what go you somewhere. need you need to go, go to a boy scout camp be a part of the boy scout the girl scouts okay go buy the cookies and the popcorn because i'm sick of it i'm sick <laughs> of it I think people were just really bored during this time, to be honest. They wanted something new. They didn't have Twitter to They didn't have TikTok. On. They didn't have TikTok. They didn't have any Honestly, social media. Honestly, I really want to see after COVID how many religions have been started. Like how many sex uh, religions have been started. I'm sure so many. I'm sure so many. Um, I'm pretty sure there's cults right now. Like we have the cure for COVID, come with us. And I'm like, all right, y'all gonna exactly. just, if y'all have never seen American Horror Story cults, y'all need to go watch that show um, and really learn about the cults because there was one cult that all the followers went down to like South America and then he had poisoned the little Kool-Aid and then- yeah. Jim Jones, Jim Jones. Yes, yeah. so like, Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else who is watching, don't follow a cult. Please, please don't. don't. It, there are literally not. videos of people who have survived coming out of them and telling about all the things that they had to do. Why would you want to do that? Truly, truly. It makes no sense. Like every time I see a, a cult, like on television or something, I just get the heebie jeebies. I'm like, it just makes you woo. It's just like, yeah. why, why would, uh, why would just, why would you think you know, for yourself? That's weird. Yourself. It's weird. But That's yeah, weird. so I mean, Anthony, do you have more to say about uh, demonic Wagner or say, excuse me, satanic Wagner? Satanic Wagner. You know, honestly, to sum it all up is that Wagner, when you do not, um, uh, this goes for anything, when you do not uh, say I'm against set whatever, there's conspiracy theories that are going to be tied to your name forever. And I think Wagner is the key person for that. Uh, he never squashed any of the rumors. Therefore, you just opened up the whole like rumor mill right then and there. Um, and I think, and also his stuff really did have some have some elements of evil in it. And um, he definitely definitely has some occurrences, especially with all the deaths around him to give some validation to those uh, to those cults, to those people. Um, but as we, we're gonna continue reading, there's many different Wagners that Alex Ross will talk about. I mean, I think next up, I don't know, is it Gay Wagner? It's coming up. So we'll be talking about somehow, was Wagner a homosexual? The world may never know. But, um, so we'll always have these things uh, tied to him. Yeah. Wagner, it's a recurring theme. We're always going to keep talking about it. Transcended himself in different ways. And the last little part of the chapter, um, there's this group created by Helena, cannot pronounce her last name, around 1870. Thank you. Can you pronounce the group she also created too? I'll try. 180. Uh Oh, 180. Oh, 180 wait. at the top of the page. It's very easy. I just don't want to butcher it. Very oh, easy. Very the easy. Theosophy? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't want to butcher it. Anyways. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, we got through it. (laughs) Thank you. Helena was the daughter of a Russian military officer. So when you're the daughter of any military person, son or daughter, you're going to be traveling a lot. Through this traveling, she grew a reputation as a psychic. She claimed to have received telepathic communications before her trip to New York, where she discussed her secret doctrine. In this doctrine, she disavowed spiritualism. She defined theosophy, not as a religion, but as a rational inquiry in religion. First of all, my wheels are turning and I'm saying this. Like, this is like, it's kind of summing up Parsifal. Like, we all have a, we all have, what? Yeah, no, no, I was just saying that I, because I was like, what does this mean? So disavowed spiritual, so she wasn't really into religion. She wasn't really into spirituality. It was more her actually rationally being like, let me actually look into what is actually rational in this religion, which is some people be like, isn't that kind of religion? But for her, she's like, it's not spirituality, it's rationality. Well, right after, she says, purely divine ethics. Ethics is kind of what it comes down to. Like, you you learn, you grow up in religion, you believe in faith, and you're going to be an ethically, morally right person. Right. That's what we all, at the end of the day, we all want to be is ethically and morally a good person so and she believes every religion, in, yeah, yeah. yeah she believes in purely divine ethics she takes religion out of it and just boom and so this, she started this huge group this huge following and of course one big tree is going to fall another branch falls off of it and they create the thesophilic society in america which ends up hosting almost a second Beirut festival. So this pretty much sums up that Wagner really, we, I cannot say this enough, transcended composers, musician. He was a person that everybody looked up to and certain people developed things because of him. Like, I understand this because I, it's, um, Especially nowadays when it comes to people wanting to put a label on everything, people are like, oh, I don't want to just be known as a black this or a woman this or a young this. I, or even like me being called a flutist sometimes. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to say that. I'm a musician, right? Because it's like you're, you're, it feels like you're putting yourself into this one little category, whereas people like Wagner, he, I mean, he pushed himself out of just one thing he's now this just entity that is ricard wagner and so that that makes complete sense to me of like people transcending just the label of oh he's a composer he's a um, conductor he's a cellist you know and kind of just taking it to a whole nother level which i appreciate in that sense and the later half of this right before the chapter ends is yates and the catholic twilight which pretty much can be summed up as a lot of people looked up to Wagner because of how he showed folk sources could shape national consensus or consciousness, mm-hmm. both. 
You know what I mean? He took, think of how many composers used folk melodies. Bartok, Copeland, Wagner used folk stories, Dvorak. Folk things have been involved in music for a long time. He well, took, what is folk? Folk is like of the people. So when you have exactly. folk tales, folk, folk stories, folk folklore, folklore, these are all things that are meant to be for the people. So of course, when you take that element, you take that um, basis and you make a huge grand thing about it, of course, it's going to affect people in that I, I feel that makes he was a genius for that. Actually, if you want to think about it that way, like it, he did exactly, he used the most basic things and turned into something that re, that every human could relate to. Honestly, he is about his brand. Okay, yes, he has a brand. Hashtag Candy Tucker. 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 Always talking about her brand, and that's exactly what Wagner um, did. He had a brand. Um, he knew what worked. He knew what would get the people in the seats watching these operas, um, and he and he stick to it. And you know, I I don't blame him whatsoever. And like just like I mean, if you watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, shout out, um, Candy, she grows her own brand, right? And she has a team behind her that grows her brand. Wagner grew his brand where he didn't have to grow it anymore. His followers grew it. Mm-hmm. It's like Anthony just said, Candy Burst Tucker. We follow her. We what? Bam! We made a connection. He had people creating groups and stuff about him and about like what he did, and what he did was so special. And we look back on it, and there is some resentment of it because why are we talking about this man so much? Why is there a six hundred page book about this man? You know what I mean? Why is there many scholarly articles and writings about this man? But he did something so special in a time that had no social media. Wagner was great. Wagner was with his own Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and every other social media. Pretty much. And I mean, adding his own stories to the Holy Grail, that's just the next level. And it kind of helped him seal the deal of his, um, what you would call it? Life. Stamp. Deliver. Nice. Yeah, I think this this chapter was really interesting um, in terms of just the religions and all the, the different hats Wagner had and kind of knowing I feel like I learned something about Wagner that I didn't know. The rest of the chapter has been kind of like, oh, wow. I mean, we knew overall it's been like we knew Wagner had a big influence on the world and everything, but like how he had that influence and what he did to actually have that influence but so I that um I think it's going to be really cool it's going to be called it's the composer alphabet game so what we're going to do is um I'm going to we're going to go through the alphabet <laughs> and try to name a composer with the, <laughs> the name of every like the letter of every alphabet okay so we can say like I, I, we can kind of cheat. Are their last names or first names? Last names. Last names. Last Has names. to be last names. Okay. So A, A for Adams. John Adams. There you go. A. B. Bella Beyonce. Bartok. I said composers. <laughs> She's a composer. Technically, yeah. She came up with Bills, Bills, Bills. Say my name. Actually, not okay. Bills, Bills, Bills. Say I was about to say Bills, 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 Kenny Burst Tucker. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna say Bartok and Beyonce together. Right. Um, C. Copeland, Aaron Copeland. D. Um, Dvorak. E. Wait. Um. Mm, uh, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. thinking of the dude. Um. Media. Uh. Um. E. Um, e. Um. I don't e, know. E, I'm sorry. E. A stale. <laughs> what? Who did you say? I said skip it. Oh, I said a stale. <gasps> Inesco. George Inesco, the yes! French composer. Yes. Okay. Yes. Romanian. So, um, A B C D E F, Foray. Oh, love Foray. Foray. You love him. F G. Gershwin. Gershwin, perfect. H Hindemith. Ah. <laughs> I. <laughs> I know his first name is Engolf, I think. Engolf Dahl his name but that's a d so i don't know e i i don't know e i erwin uh, no there's no erwin nope uh, oh no maybe i mean maybe there is but we just don't know i don't, e yeah, I don't really um, think of anyone maybe there's wasn't there someone with ira as a last name that we we talked no, about in ira is gershwin's brother that's what it is. Um, okay, we're gonna come back to I. Yeah. We're gonna come back to I. Um, a, B, H, I, J. J. Uh, uh, Robert Yeager, which is J. Yeah. -E -E or Arnold Jacobs, I believe, or someone, maybe, right? Whatever. Okay, yes, J. Um, K. Um, I know composers with K. Like I, I really do. Oh, uh, Robert uh, William Kraft is it? Kraft? Ulysses K, a not well, not as oh, yes. known African American composer. Nice. Yes. Studied under Hindemith. Nice. L, Lieberman. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me see. L M. Malcolm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Malcolm. There's a. Yeah, Mozart, the easy one. Mozart, Boom. yes. In. Did Niche ever write anything? I don't think. I, I don't think so. Remember him? Uh, yes, we remember Niche. Niche. However, um, but not no name. I'm gonna have to use my cheat sheet. I'm sorry. No, I'm don't use your cheat sheet. No, no, no. Oh, no, that's the first name. Why am I blanking? I, I'm Nielsen. Nielsen. Uh, doesn't he have a flute concerto? Yes. Well, don't. Okay, get off me. N O. O. Uh. O'Reilly. O'Reilly. No, no ma'am. Um. Ooh. Orpheus. That's not. It's a mm. bluff. I know. Don't. I know. I know. Um, or Orlando. Or Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll come back to that one. Okay. Um, oh, P. Prokofiev. Oh, Joscan de Perez. There you uh, go. Perez. Um, Q. Oh, my God. I'm legit looking through all of my composers right now. You can't! <laughs> Wait, Q. 
core. One second. Quants! Quants! Johannes Quants. Okay. It's flute stuff. Quants on playing the flute. You have to go look. look, look. It's a whole book and he wrote stuff. Okay. Um, QR. What period was he from? Baroque. I knew it! Okay, continue. R. Respighi. Oh, yes. Um, S. Stravinsky. David Sampson. A lot of S's. T. Omar Thomas. Oh my Shout out. Um, you. I don't know no use. I'm sorry. Skip. Um, wait. Uh, to uh, composer starting with you. Um. Uh, Usher, Usher. I'm sure Usher. Usher, yeah, he's a. Who'd you say? Usher. Usher. U V. Vivaldi. Uh, there we go. Uh, and then there's w, another one. W, Wagner, W. Hello. Wagner, yes. Um, X. Zanakis. Remember oh, that? Oh, yes. Yes. That's Greek, yes. right? Yes. Greek. yes. Okay. Y. Chen Yi. And Z. Oh, my gosh. What is that piece we played? It was Wind Ensemble. Zoo, no, Zoo Long. There, Dang it, that's there, what I was there, there, Roger there, there. Robert, Roger there, exactly. Well, okay, so we didn't do, was it N and, no, we did Nielsen. It was E and I. No, someone did E. Someone said yeah. E. We, we it was just I. I. Um, um, I, I, someone's got I've, 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 Charles Ives, the oh only Legit. Wow. What's the other one? I think that, that I think it? we answered all it. the ones. Yeah. Wow. If we, if we missed one, let us know. That yeah, was that was bro. crazy. Try to do it. I mean, do it in the comments. See if y'all can. That was hard. It was. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was. but like half the letters exist in just the Romantic or Renaissance composers. Yeah. We should have like. Who said that? I, no. <laughs> Renaissance. Does. I mean, if I, I we said a composer, we said. Oh, wow. There's so many names. Wow. There's so wow. many different letters. Yeah, we don't sound different a lot. I, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of yes. um, us continuing our book club series with Wagnerism. Um, yes. Please, 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 we'll love it if you uh, let us know um, what you think about the book, what you think about the book club series, and leave us some things that you want to see us do like future topics and everything, leave everything below or find us on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, um, literally reach out to any of us and we would love to have a conversation with you and bring you in and come and have a conversation with all of us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next week with a phenomenal episode with the principal flautist of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, Ms. Christina Smith. Please stay yeah. tuned for that. We'll see you guys later. Bye. 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 Stay safe. Thank you for listening and being a part of our conversation. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode, so leave us a comment or review. See you next time.